0: Hi, my name is Kwanese Floyd, and I'm Peter Dayton. Welcome to the Embrace podcast, a program of the Embrace series, which is a partnership between arts education in Maryland schools and the Maryland State Department of Education Fine Arts Office. This podcast will examine the human side of arts education and is an opportunity to highlight arts educators from around the state of Maryland. During each episode, we will interview an arts educator to talk about their journey. Each interviewee will be facilitating a workshop as a part of the Embrace series. Today, I'm joined by Julie Olson. She is a music teacher specialist for Anne Arundel County Public Schools. She's facilitating Inhale Peace, Exhale Love, an Embrace session for Maryland's Creative Teaching Force on Thursday, May 14th, from 10 a.m. to 1045 a.m. Julie, thanks for joining me today.
1: I'm so happy to be here.
0: Now, before uh, we started this call, we were talking about your background in music as well as in theater. So just give us a little overview of your history in the performing arts.
1: Yes. So I was inspired by my parents who actually met in band. My dad played the uh, trumpet. My mom played the clarinet. And I grew up singing in the church choir. In the summer after my sophomore year, I moved to a new school district, which made me extremely upset. (laughs) My dad was like ruining my life, you know? Um, (laughs) Right? And so I was extremely upset. But it turns out that it changed my entire life, my entire career trajectory, actually. And I ate up everything music at this new school. Um, It was fantastic. It was in Traverse City, Michigan. And the... Arts programs were so strong there. And I just did everything I possibly could do in music and theater. I played the oboe in band and orchestra. I did color guard and marching band. In my senior year, I was drum major. And I acted in plays and musicals and just all the time, super busy with anything music, anything theater. My favorite role was playing Reno Sweeney in Cole Porter's Anything Goes. And um, I had very influential teachers who helped guide me There, Russ Larimer and John Campbell, Russ Larimer was my choir teacher and John Campbell was my band teacher. Oh, and Dorothy Kunkel, my orchestra teacher. You know, from the age of four, I knew absolutely that I wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't know until my junior, senior years that I wanted to be a music teacher. And so they really helped me in that way. When I got to college, I went to Albion College, which is a small private school in Albion, Michigan, and I had more awesome mentors, and it really came down to the teachers that I was able to interact with. My um, choral teachers ended up being the stronger influences in my life, and I ended up gearing my career toward choral music versus instrumental, because I was doing both my entire time at Albion but it just was too much. I had to focus in one way or the other, especially with doing shows as well. So I decided to go with choral music. And I taught high school choir and theater in a small school, uh, Eaton Rapids High School in Michigan for six years before moving to Maryland.
0: I really don't need to ask any questions. You're just going with it. And what a, what a wonderful overview, not just of your own artistic background, but also your journey as an educator. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your workshop, because mindfulness has been a theme through a number of, of workshops, and especially mindfulness in different uh, ways of interacting with your space, of interacting with your creative process. So could you talk a little more about the mechanics of the workshop and you know, what, what people are going to experience in it?
1: Yes. So personally, in my life, I have been defining my life's work And also professionally, through the concepts of awareness, of acceptance, allowing my path to unfold in a way that feels authentic and connected. I really want that of the higher good for myself, for those that I care about, and especially right now, the world. My workshop is going to focus on the breath, and of course, as a choir teacher and as a teacher of music. The breath has been always very important to the work that I do with students and adults as well. I would say that when I work with teachers, so as a music teacher specialist, I get the wonderful opportunity to work with teachers in their classrooms. And I also manage our all county programs and other amazing programs we do in Anne Arundel County Public Schools for our talented students. And I think it's very important for people to have balance in their life. When I was teaching music, I was very much the stressed young educator in the beginning. And I think a lot of us go through that. We come home crying, kind of just working like from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And there was this moment in time when I just froze at my desk when I was teaching high school. I think it was my second year of teaching. And I was just, I did not know what to do next because my to-do list was extremely long. I had so much to do that I I did not know what to do next. And that's what led me to yoga and what led me to meditation. And so music, this joy in my life had become something that was challenging and stressful. And I knew that that could not be. I had to pull the reins back on that. And Enter in Ann Lapo in my very first yoga class. I found a flyer in a restaurant, decided to take my first class, and it's been something I've done in my life ever since. So I know that I've taken a major tangent, but in this workshop, what I hope educators of the arts will be able to take away is that we can just focus on the now, we can learn about mindfulness together. We can learn what it looks like in our own lives, what it looks like in our professional life, how we can give to other people through mindfulness. We'll start with some easy movement because we know that when we meditate, when we are still, we can have a better impact when our bodies are also kind of loose and still. It's like when you warm up for a sport or acting or dance. After the warm-up, we will do some breathing. And I'd like to introduce people to several different types of mindfulness and meditation. I think we're coming to these sessions with the need to get away from our computers and our technology. And I'm really hoping that we can find connection to ourselves and breathe together and just really enjoy the time away from technology and turn inward.
0: The general principle of a need to breathe, a need to take a moment in order to be able to tackle what's ahead of you is obviously applicable beyond our current situation, even though the urgency might be higher right now to be able to step back for a moment, take time for ourselves and and to breathe. It's not an uncommon narrative of an ambitious teacher who burns out because of being completely overwhelmed And even for uh, experienced career educators to to experience burnout because of this. So this sounds like it has a a universal applicability, both for all educator audiences and for all time, in a sense.
1: (laughs) I agree. Um, Yes, I agree, Peter. It's really, really applicable to anybody. And so anyone listening right now who might be wondering, am I good enough for this or should I try this? It requires zero experience whatsoever, and if you have any interest at all, come on in and join us. We're excited to share this together, um, MSDE and Ames and me, so yes.
0: I want to talk a little more about your own artistic life as a a music specialist for Anne Rundle County. Yes. That's probably a fairly time-consuming job, but are you still performing in theater? Are you still creating as a musician?
1: So I'm not performing in theater at the moment, although that is something that's in the back of my mind as something I would be interested in pursuing at some point. Yet you're right, the calendar of a music teacher specialist in an office of people is pretty intense when you're serving 250 music teachers and 85,000 students in a district that's quite large. I, I would love to say that I would have the time. It'll be hopefully something I can do in a summer here soon. The instrument that I played in high school and college was the oboe. And I right now, sadly, cannot play it because of an injury that I had three years ago I was in a car accident that really took a long time to heal from. I had a concussion and the work that I did in that time was very meditative and very informing of my entire life henceforth. So I'm actually kind of grateful that that happened, but I'm also sad that I can't play my oboe. I did pick up the ukulele a little bit when I was traveling in Hawaii a few years back and I dabble in that from time to time, but I also love to sing and I sang in the Handel Choir of Baltimore a few years back. But as an everyday experience as an artist, I do so many things, especially right now, to bring comfort to myself and to share comfort with others. I have been listening to a lot of music, 90s tunes while I'm on my bike trainer, you know, rocking out, uh, dancing and singing in my kitchen while I'm cooking and, and cleaning. I have been creating Spotify playlists with friends and that has been so fun. I have been enjoying some movement classes, of course, yoga, a lot of mindfulness i'm I'm a fiber artist as well, so I'm a knitter.: Oh, And so I join a, a weekly knitting group and enjoy that.
0: Marvelous. So just because of your role in advising music educators. Can you talk a little more about how that's going right now and the ways you might be interacting with them in order to adapt learning to uh, remote and virtual mentalities or what's going on there right now?
1: Yes, that is a very good question. We are all in a major transition and it's really going well overall, I think that most of our teachers are just so happy to see their students again. And as a music teacher specialist, I was so happy once the teachers came back, they had two weeks off. And when they came back, I was like, Oh, it feels a little bit more normal now. And that's how the teachers are feeling now being able to see their students and interact with them. You know, our work as educators and as artists, it's really about people. And I think embracing the notion that we just need to connect. We need to build relationships. We need to slow down and listen. We need to figure out what it is that people need and think about that and and meditate on it. And I think that a lot of us are kind of peeling back the layers, so to speak, with regard to what it is we're teaching. Earlier on in this process, I was part of a group that was creating a 10-week program of study for high school. And we focused on high school in our county because they have to go on to graduate, some of them, the seniors, and they have to earn their credits. Right. So we decided to kind of lay it out as an optional plan for teachers to follow, should they wish. But we had a lot of issues to figure out. There were students who played guitar or keyboard, for example, who did not come home with their instruments, right? There were students who are in band or orchestra and they didn't bring their instruments home. They were at school. So we had to devise a system that would work for everybody and realizing too that families are taxed at home with limited access to computers and to Wi-Fi and technology. We wanted to make sure that there were many options for students that they had the opportunity to do something that was performance-based if they did have their instrument at home? And if they didn't, what else could they do that was maybe a little bit more music history-related or theory-based or listening and responding or being very creative and perhaps creating something artistically? So we've really had to jump outside of our normal performance based medium. And I think that's, that's been uncomfortable for a lot of people. And it's certainly not the way we want to do this heretofore. It's something that we as musicians want to create music together with people. So it's very odd. It's like we're fish out of water, yet we're doing the best we can.
0: It sounds like there's a lot of different ways in which this is being adapted that hopefully are are very productive and rewarding for the students as well. I was actually going to ask if from this process, anything has been developed that you think you all are going to carry forward, perhaps creating a variety of different kinds of learning within the larger area of music content for students that don't have access to instruments versus performance-based.
1: Yes. And that's something that our county has been interested in for a few years now, really thinking of about non-traditional ways of making music, iPad ensembles, uh, reaching out to those students that are maybe not necessarily interested in performing, but they want to learn how to be a sound engineer and go on to support a rock band in the future or something. It's definitely a wonderful thing that we have in our curriculum too, that we involve our teachers in the writing of our curriculum. And so we like to tap into all ways to reach kids. And I think that these new ways of learning can definitely be incorporated into our curriculum. And I also am so excited that we're able to reach out virtually and connect with our teachers. Every couple of weeks, we have... The opportunity to meet with all of the elementary instrumental teachers at one time, or the high school choir teachers at one time. Anyone who wants to can join in. We call it our, our chat and chew. Mm-hmm. And we sit from noon until 1245 and we just check in with them. We can talk about anything that they're watching on TV to pass the time in the evenings, or we can talk about challenges that they're having in their classroom or success stories. So it's really good that we're able to touch base with them and find out what's working, what's not. And then the teachers also get a chance to interact with each other. So I think moving forward, some of our professional development strategies could be a little bit more focused on the virtual Mm. side of things now that everyone knows how to use Google Meet, which is the platform we're using.
0: Could you tell us a bit more about the, the way in which the breath techniques that you have been working on have informed your instructional mentality?
1: Yes. I love to take all of my life's experiences and integrate them as natural opportunities present themselves. So when I was a new teacher and started taking yoga. Meditation was part of my yoga class every week. I was able to then take my concepts that i learned with breath work in yoga and apply them to teaching high school choir, for example, or high school theater, or even when I taught elementary school music. So some examples. In high school, a lot of students aren't aware of their bodies. And so a lot of it is just about awareness, having them stand against a wall and feeling how their ribs expand, putting all of the students on the ground and allowing them to lay down and put a book on top of their diaphragm or a hand there and place it there so that they can feel the expansion and I think that the awareness and the actual doing of physical movements that are also from yoga and meditation really apply and lend themselves well to choral music, of course.
0: Another one of the Embrace sessions was called uh, The Power of Ritual Practices, and Nicoletta talked about coupling, the idea of marrying particular significant activities or sensory experiences with daily rituals and so do you yourself practice breath moments even throughout a day or is that one of the things that will be discussed is the way in which we can build breath moments into daily ritual.
1: I love Nicoletta's session. I was there for most of it. I had to miss the first 10 minutes because of another class. But yes, I incorporate breath work and rituals often. In fact, right now I have a lavender candle beside me flickering and I have essential oils going in the background, diffusing into the air, some lemongrass, peppermint and lavender. But after my concussion, one thing that I really learned is, so a little background on Traumatic brain injuries, depending on the severity of the concussion, you can have serious impacts for a sustained amount of time. For example, I had to take four entire months off completely. And when I went back to work, it was part time and I had to do it from home and it was 10 hours at first. And, you know, I remember my first conversation with my supervisor at the time, Dave Kaufman, and I barely could focus for 30 minutes. And meditating was one of the things that really helped me through all of that and breathing through some of those challenging times. And I was able to incorporate that into my everyday work plan once I got back to the office. So one of the things that I really continue to do to this day, and my colleagues, Lydia and Jessica and Mary will all attest to this, I take a mid-morning break every day. It's about 10:30, 11. And I just tell them, okay, I'm taking my meditation break and I put on my earphones, close my eyes. They know not to bother me. They leave me notes if I get a phone call and I go to my happy place and I feel so much more calm and centered when I get back. And, you know, even if it was already a calm day, there's just a point of stillness that you reach. And a lot of times I have very creative ideas following a break like that. So I encourage everyone to try it. I think it's a very beneficial practice. A lot of times we feel rushed in our workplace. We feel like it's a spastic, hectic, fast-paced time. And to really pull it back helps you as a person to be able to cope with all of those stresses of the workplace.
0: I appreciate you sharing so much about your, your experience in regards to the accident. I'm sure it's a difficult topic, uh, but I'm sure it's also informed a lot of what has come after in terms of just your everyday experience. Do you think that the large scale life disruption that you experienced with that has in some ways either prepared you or given you some perspective on the kind of, again, large scale structural disruption that we're all facing now?
1: I definitely feel like I've been here before, Peter. Yes, Mm. it is very much a disruption to our everyday. And that's exactly what my accident was. It completely debilitated me. I could not watch TV. I couldn't read. I couldn't drive a car. I couldn't be in a car without feeling extremely sick. What had happened was my eyes and my brain were in disconnect. And I had to go through an entire year of vision therapy to be able to put them back together again and make those neuropathways work. And so I know firsthand how challenging something like this that we're experiencing this can be. It is totally a different way of living. And I think again, coming back to accepting what it is, knowing that it's not going to be forever, knowing that we have people that we can reach out to, to help and to be supported by. I think that when we are able to turn inward and to focus on what we have and be grateful, like Lacey's awesome session that she had recently, the, the gratitude and movement. Mm-hmm think that that's where we really come back to our humanity together, that we are in this together, we will make it through, that it's not ideal, yet we will learn so much both as a society and also individually about how to overcome challenges when you're faced with something that's so outside of the norm.
0: Oh, thank you so much for your own bravery and perseverance. It's, it's a really amazing story of, of overcoming. Uh, a terrible, terrible uh, adversity that you've shared with us, Julie. And I really am looking forward, I think, especially near the end of the week of all of these professional developments. I will very much be looking forward to inhaling peace and exhaling love. That's going to be on Thursday, May 14th, from 10 a.m. to 1045 a.m. Thank you again so much for joining me, Julie. Thank
1: you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you, Peter.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Embrace podcast. For more information on arts education in Maryland schools, visit aems-edu.org. To learn more about the Embrace series and how to register for a session, go to msdefinearts.org. Stay safe and stay creative.